0: Hello YouTube, welcome back to another story. Now, this one is called The Smiley Face, so sit back, relax, and listen. As her morning ritual demanded, Lisa scrolled through dozens of social media notifications with groggy eyes first thing in the morning. Her phone soon pinged with the promise of a new message notification and Lisa tapped it open. That was it. A friendly winky face. She paused for a moment, puzzled over the strange message sent from the unknown number, then decided to text back, Who are you? Without missing a beat, a message was swiftly typed back and sent. Lisa frowned her eyebrows and pursed her lips, considering the message. Whoever was doing this had to be playing some sort of prank or just trolling around. Is this some kind of joke? She talked before hitting send. Then, the surefire response, a few split seconds later, a smiley face. Deciding not to entertain whoever sent the message, Lisa switched off her phone, slid out of bed, and promptly strolled over to the shower, planning to continue her day unbothered. But when she exited out the front door, car keys in hand, and strolled over to her car, Lisa spotted something eye-catching. Visibly and finely carved into the wooden bark of the oak tree in her front yard was a familiar symbol. The winky face seemed to smile mockingly. Lisa had to flicker her eyes over it multiple times to make sure she wasn't hallucinating. Hurrying over to her car, she slammed the door shut and sped away as far as she could from her own. Her day at work was less than productive, considering she checked her inbox at regular intervals to make sure the culprit hadn't seen any more messages, though thankfully none popped up. By the time it was time to knock off from work, she didn't return home, instead driving over to her trusted friend's place to stay the night, hoping it'll make her feel safe. After settling into the guest room offered by her friend, A certain rustling in the chilly breeze caught her attention. She strolled over and noticed that the window was slightly ajar so she could slide it down. As she fully closed it, something came into view. Blanching white with shock, Elisa inched her face closer to the window and what was scribbled over with a finger into the frosted glass of the window. A smiley face. Just as her bulging eye seems closer to the view of the winky face, the air rustles sharply as the blur of a moving object whistled swiftly by, before crossing into the window without any warning and striking Lisa right in the face, causing her entire body to fly backwards from the momentum. After the incident, the doctors had to surgically remove the mysterious rusted metal arrows lodged within Lisa's right eye, as well as a gouge out from the entire merit eye to prevent further infection. Now, every time Lisa stared into the mirror, she finally got the joke. With one eye open and one eye damaged shut, it looked like she was permanently winking. This next story is called Static. It was shapeless, like static come to life, and it'd follow me around everywhere. It'll drift out of my sight, and eventually my mind, but it always came back. It didn't have a name, I've asked it countless times, it just laughs each time, giving me a slightly very deadpan response. I am all the parts that you hate, it hissed, floating around my head like a huge mosquito. And the best part is, I'm here for the rest of your life. Although I had no face, the grin it revealed shook me to my core. It started getting worse about a year ago. I'd see a large field flushed with plants and bugs before the static rushed over it, revealing dirty needles and leftover trash. I'd listen to my favorite song, then the static would crawl into my ear, and I'd only hear high-pitched ringing i treat myself to my favorite meal only for the static to bite into it, turning my fresh Chinese food into rotten sludge. My friends would be playing a video game online with me before the static would sneak into the television making every small pixel feel dull and lifeless. Everywhere I went, I bought the static with me. Sometimes I'd break down yelling at the static. To just leave me alone. But it will only laugh. Oh, I'm here for the rest of your life. It enjoyed reminding me. I tried other methods, got really into drinking, deep into some scary drugs, but nothing seemed to take. Even if I got a brief respite, the static would always come back, sometimes even worse than before. You can't push me away forever, It smirked. I am along for life. That got me thinking, and then I reached a decision. The cuts down my arm are painting the carpet red. As I expected, the static appeared one last time. This time, I got to grin at it instead. If you're long for life, you better make it quick. I laughed like a madman. I found a way to outsmart the static It couldn't hunt me like this for life. That it ended early. The static looked puzzled before vibrating and grinning manically. That didn't take long. I realized the vibrations were laughter. This next story is called, An Accident. Can you tell me what happened? The police officer accidentally, holding a notepad in his hand. He looked a little uncomfortable, an empty hand fiddling with his loose sleeve, as if he had not been trained to console crying children. It was alright. I had long gotten used to controlling myself without outside help. I. I saw when I was walking home. I began talking slowly and hiccuping as I spoke. I had just gone past the playground when I heard it, crying. I stopped there, sobbing quietly as the officer patted me awkwardly. After a few moments, I wiped away my tears and continued. Mommy had always told me that I should help people when they were in trouble, so I went over to see what happened. Did I, I did the right thing, right? I think mommy will be proud of me." The police officer nodded at that, smiling at me, but saying nothing. I took it as an invitation to continue. Well, when I got there, I saw a bus, a big yellow one, just like my school bus, except this one was wedged halfway into a playground slide. I laughed softly, not with happiness just sheer disbelief at the absurdity of all of it. Can you imagine that? A whole bus just stuck there, back tires spinning as they protrude from a plastic tower. Then I frowned again. After seeing this, I went to look inside, I looked down, letting a single tear roll down my cheek. There was blood, so much blood. And so many dead bodies. I got scared so I ran away and that's when I bumped into you. Now, it was the police officer's turn to frown. But that's not what happened, was it? He looked at me in the eye and spoke a bit more seriously this time. Bystanders saw you running to the playground before they heard the shouts. And only a few minutes later did they hear the call for help. I smiled. Don't you get it, officer? I helped that boy, he was in pain, so I stopped him from being in pain, just like mommy showed me. I did the right thing, right officer? He leaned in closer and spoke very, very slowly. Listen to me, I want you to tell me exactly what your mommy showed you, okay? What do you do to help him? I smelled even more wider now. I took a sharp thing and cut open his chest and reached inside. Mommy showed it to me once. She called it surgeon. At this point, the officer recoiled in horror, crawling back in fear. I frowned slightly and walked over to him, stopping over as blood dripped from my hands. I did the right thing, officer. Right, officer? I helped him. Right? This next story is called, Memories. I walked around my father's house and couldn't help but reminisce about all the different things that happened there. After walking into my room, I instinctively tapped the top of the door frame, as it was like a second nature for me to do that. I gazed around my bedroom and spotted my old teddy bear still resting in his usual spot in between my pillows. He had kept me safe from monsters on numerous occasions. I went over to the kitchen and started opening presses at random to see if there was anything nice to eat. Unsurprisingly, there was nothing as my father was never the kind of man to have a large supply of treats. I picked up an old Nokia mobile phone that was lying in one of the presses and was surprised to see it had a battery life even though it probably hadn't been used in months. I pocketed the phone as I used to play snake on it. I pulled the light cord and went down to the basement and wandering around aimlessly for a few minutes. I looked down and eyed him, laying on the couch and shuddered. It had caused me so much pain when I was a child, but now looked small and insignificant now that I was an adult. I reached over and picked it up, and no surprise how light it seemed. I placed my father's severed head back on top of the rest of his dismembered body Walked back upstairs to explore the rest of my new home. This next story is called My Wife Died and Now She Won't Let Me Go. My wife died on a Saturday morning. I woke up, rolled over to see her bright, smiling face, only to see her beautiful frame, stiff and lifeless. We both knew this was coming when they found the lump in her breast about three months ago. We tried not to look at it as a death sentence, but see, it was of snowing how much time we had left together. We had spent 50 years married to each other and with no short amount of rough times, just like any other marriage. Those last three months though, we spent every minute we could together and it was wonderful. It's funny how you can spend so much time with someone But once they're gone, you wish you just had one more conversation with them. Lucy would say I shouldn't be too worried about it. It's not like I would live 30 more years or anything. How right she would have been. She always knew what to say, not to drag me out of self-loathing. Now though, it's all I have left except for the few grains of sand left in my hourglass since we didn't have any kids and both of us were only children the funeral wasn't big just a few friends that were still above ground with me as I watched my Lucy being lowered in that deep casket on the ground breathing became hard and I felt like my whole world was closing in on me I had to sit down and catch my breath and my friend Tom hobbled his way over to me just only to check on me I assured him I was alright. It just hit me all at once. Tom told me if I needed to talk, all I had to do was call, but I knew I most likely wouldn't. It took more effort than usual to get out of bed the next morning. My body was stiff as a board. Not that it was unusual for a 70-year-old man, but it was worse than normal. I quickly faded into the background as my thoughts drifted back in to my Lucy being gone. I sat looking at pictures and reminiscing most of the day. The next day is when I noticed the blisters, the small round blisters on my arm and chest. Not one or two, but a bunch that seemed to pop up every night. I told myself I needed to get that checked out. My doc didn't seem to know quite what to think about the blisters. He said it looked like poison ivy, but I'd do anything, gardening or any of that sort. So, not sure how I got poison ivy. He took a sample of the fluid in the blisters. I think that was more to satisfy me anything. I went back to the house and sat in Lucy's room. She always came in there to watch the birds out of the window and read her Bible every evening. The next morning, I noticed my arms were back to feeling like they're normal, old wrinkly sleeves. I thought I was back to normal until I looked at my chest. The blisters had gone away, but a black bruise had replaced the blisters and covered almost my entire chest. It looked like a bruise, but it wasn't sore, almost like it was farther under the skin. It was the next morning when I realized just how much of a problem I had. When I got out of bed and brushed my teeth, that's when I saw it. As I walked out of my bathroom, I saw an imprint on my bed. It was Lucy's side of the bed. As I crept up to the bed and pulled the sheets back, I was met with dirt. Black dirt. Just a thin layer of it in the shape of my Lucy. Like she was sleeping beside me again. Seeing this, I finally realized something ungodly was happening. It only got worse, though. Every morning, I would wake up to find more dirt in my bed. Well, more dirt everywhere. In the bed, in Lucy's chair, on her Bible, even in our car. I eventually stopped cleaning it up because I knew it would be back the next morning. I had my own problems to deal with anyway. My skin is almost entirely black now, and it's soft, to the point where I rub my arm. A huge strip of it will peel off. My legs are to the point where I can barely use them. I have taken to Lucy's wheelchair to get around the house. I finally smartened up and looked up some of the stuff that has been happening to my body. I already had my suspicions about what was happening to me. But I was proven correct when I found an article detailing the stages of decomposition. It had been eight days since my Lucy went to be with our Lord. And by the mix of the black bloody fluid leaking from my nose, I would say I'm getting close to black purification. This lasts for about a month, but I'm still worried about what comes after. Am I just going to die at some point? Or will I keep decomposing until I can't move anymore. I can't help but wonder why my Lucy would do something to me. She would never have wanted this. I don't know anything I can do. So I've been praying. Lucy was always the more religious one of all of us. But I had something to try out. I prayed to God, Jesus, and even Lucy after I hit a certain point of desperation. But it didn't seem to help. I'm writing this so the poor soul that finds me would know what happened. Like anyone is going to believe this. I can't get out of my bed anymore. Well, I might could. But I'm worried how my cows would fall off my legs. So, I think I'm just going to sit here and wait. If Lucy's on the other end of this, it'll all be worth it. This last story is called, I Know Who's Going to Die. My entire life, I've been blessed with a miraculous gift. I know when someone is going to die. As a child, I assumed that shadows were dark in the day and white at night. But then one particular evening, I saw a man whose shadow blinked black and white brightly like lightning strikes. This man didn't die. He mugged and stabbed an old woman right before my eyes. She died at the scene and the man ran off. Now I know what a flashing shadow means, a murder. After 22 years and hundreds of thousands of experiences, I've learned two things. The white aura which glows bright as the sun but signifies that one is healthy and safe. The dark shadows walk about as silhouettes of people, arms clasped behind their back, eerily tiptoeing, just waiting for that one person to soon die. Children are the brightest, elderly people, darkest, middle-aged people in between gray. So you can imagine how horrifying it feels to see a newborn baby at the hospital being looked down upon by a black figure. I'm writing this now because I'm just wanting to hear it. My new girlfriend and I went to dinner. She doesn't know about my gift, so she was understandably licensed when, upon stepping into the restaurant for less than a minute, I pulled her away. We had to go, and I'd explain later. I was expecting the usual tables of people with multicolored white, gray, and black shadows next to the one, like usual. But this time, the second we walked in, everyone's shadow was black, even children. I clasped her hand and pulled her out as fast as I could before I noticed that same horrific flashing shadow following a man with a backpack entering the business just as we got into the car. I peeled out so fast I nearly caused an accident. Now we're stuck in traffic. I caught the police. A helicopter just passed over us. We're on the overpass directly over the restaurant. My girlfriend has always had a bright aura. All of a sudden, it's black. I don't know what mine is, but maybe we should run. It's obvious the bomb squad has yet to show up.